Hello and welcome to Matt's Plane, where every single day of the week we are breaking down a question, event, news, trend, Mavs history, taking you behind the scenes of the organization, all sorts of Mavs basketball and Mavs basketball accessory uh, related activities. My name is Bobby Corella. Joining me today, again, is Isaac Harris. That's like three out of the last four or four out of the last five that you've been on. I feel like you're just kind of slowly taking over control of this from me, which I'm I'm here for, Isaac. <laughs> no, you're no, this is this is your lane. And luckily today we don't have to talk about either one of us. We get to talk about honestly one of my favorite Dallas Mavericks that has come through Dallas over the past like four years. And, yep. and Dorian Dorian Finney Smith is literally one of the best dudes to talk to as a person and to watch bas- play basketball. So we get to just talk about Dorian today and I'm super hyped. He is, I, I'll even, I'll take it a step further, man. He might be one of my favorite Mavs ever. Just Ooh, because I like it. He's quiet, but he's loud. Like, okay, so you watch Dorian play. This is a good place to start, I think. There's such a, um, you know, there's, there's kind of the old adage, like whenever you go onto the court, whenever the lights turn on or whatever, like players can come alive and like you see their real personalities and everything. And that's just kind of like a whatever that's a a true a truism but i feel like it's very appropriate with dorian because on the floor everybody knows what this guy's about right he's a bulldog he defends he takes on the toughest opponents he's always mixing it up um you know flying in for offensive rebounds and screaming and just really just like a really kind of intense guy um off the floor he's like the quietest like shyest almost just most polite like just like gentle he's such a gentle soul you know and you would never know by talking to him that he is the type of player that he is on the floor there's just this dichotomy there and it's really interesting about him because um like you just you would never expect that this guy is defensive stopper like momentum sparker uh ultimate sort of energy player on the floor uh based on the way he acts it's kind of like the opposite of, of Wes Matthews to where yeah, like, I like, like love, love Wes. I love Wes's intensity. And I would, I, I used to say, I'm like, Hey, if I played in the NBA, I, I feel like I would have the personality of Wes to where I'd just be all business, eat like on court, off the court. It's just like, that's just my, like my grind about it. But like you go into the locker room after a game with Wes and he's still that way. Like he's the type of guy to be like, what you looking at? Like, what are we going to talk about? Like, that's a dumb question. Dorian's the type of guy. <laughs> not like, like in a jerk way, but that's just like Wes. No, but, no, it's Wes's not. Yeah, hit, it's not. You know? it, that's just like his is what. And it's like, man, I respect that. I walk in and talk to Dorian. Both the same type of players on the court that will get up in your grill, defend all that stuff. But Dorian's like, bro, what, what shoes you got on? Or how, how's your kid? How's your kid doing? And like, these are conversations that's like, I'm walking past Dorian. And he just asked me about, it, and, and I'm like, I just saw you go head like head to head with. LeBron on the court and you're out there talking like you talk to players on the team that's one of the first things they all say about Dorian is man he's the talker he's the guy that he brings the energy and then you get in the locker room and it's like hey how's your family doing you know and I, I I love seeing that professional athletes at their profession you see like you see people I want to say normal people that go to their jobs and then they come home and they flip the light switch and like all right I'm back with family and I'm just gonna chill and whatever to see it in a profession like a professional basketball player to see the light switch switch 
And it's like, it's so like, it, it amazes me how they're able to do that. And Dorian is a prime example of that. Yeah, for sure. So rewinding back to uh, 2016, he was kind of like an unassuming player almost coming out of the draft. I mean, I, I feel like any like major college hoops head uh, would know who he was because he was such a key player on those Florida teams for a few years. They, you know, they went to the tournament every year and you know he was kind of their, you know, not their main player whenever they were in the final four, but uh, his last season at Florida, he was their leading scorer. You know, he's like just a, uh, like, I think he made all conference that season too. So he was a big name, but he was a five-year college player because he transferred. And so he came out of college at 23 years old, went undrafted somehow. I have no idea. I mean, again, this was 2016. So three and D wings were already like kind of becoming a thing. And here you have this player who, shoots threes and defends multiple positions. And somehow he went undrafted. Um, the Mavs at that time just happened to be entering like a rebrand that would later be Ooh, admitted we, to be a rebuild. Have we rebranded yet, Bobby? Oh my God, Isaac. I didn't know if you wanted to. <laughs> no, that's, that's, a, that's a future episode. How about that? Uh, actually a past episode. Listen to the episode with Allison uh, Pensick. We talked that's all good. about that. That's good. Um, so, uh, and, and I, I wonder, I mean, the Mavs have always been kind of the team that's like not afraid to invite undrafted guys to camp. I mean, they've done that even when they were making the playoffs, they did that. They did that with JJ Brea, but, uh, had Dorian come out of college a year earlier, I'm not sure that he would be on the team, but it just so happened that that season, uh, they were like, yeah, I mean, we just kind of want young guys. And so they gave him a chance and he earned it in camp. He was awesome. Uh, they gave him a deal after uh, Vegas, or I guess during the summer league, here in a contract, and the rest is history. He ended up playing 81 games to them that season, lost the 2017-18 season, or most of it due to injury, then played 81 games again last season, and then this season they played 64 out of 67 games. So he's kind of like become this Iron Man, really consistent, reliable player. But in the process, uh, going from undrafted player to like key starter on a playoff team and increasing his points – his assists, his rebounds, his field goal percentage, his three-point percentage, his effective field goal percentage every single season. So he's hitting like all of these milestones growing from, it's kind of like almost like a, a, a 2K my player, you know, yeah. going from like undrafted bench guy to now like major starter. And uh, all of his stats and attributes are on the rise every single season. And so uh, I, I I guess my point is like he's just a really easy guy to root for because he's a nice guy and also he's just gotten better every season at everything. Yeah, he. I remember talking to him with a story I did earlier in the season. Um, yeah, it's on Mavs.com about him being the pit bull for this Mavericks team. But we talked about those early days and you know the Mavericks just handed Jonathan Gibson throwback. Um, is the Gibson pod coming? Uh, uh, next week. Next week. Okay, and they just handed Gibson just like. I think it was one of those like two plus one you know contracts it was like some guaranteed money basically and then they invite dorian to come in and dorian's like i remember seeing that gibson contract i'm like dang i like i'm gonna have to beat out a guaranteed guy and i'm like a non-guaranteed basically and, well, and gibson goes, had a huge vegas bro. i mean they, it, they the maps had one spot on their roster and it was gibson versus dorian and gibson outplayed him in vegas yeah, and it's it, you know, and I talking to uh, Ron Zoni with with the Mavs, you know, in the front office there, and he's like, we kept tabs on Dorian from the very beginning. Like Dorian grew up 
uh, just outside the Portsmouth in- Invitational Tournament, which is this high, uh, this really high uh, high school tournament. It's kind of hard to explain, but every year scouts go to this high school tournament. And Dorian grew up and played high school uh, right down the street from this tournament, so they had kept tabs on him for so long. They loved him at Florida. And Dorian said, you know, after he went undrafted in his draft, that he was he was pissed. He's like, I was pissed I went undrafted. But one of the first calls that he got was from Rick Carlisle. And I thought you talked about how many games he started, especially his rookie season. You get this undrafted guy who beats out a guaranteed money guy in Jonathan Gibson for this roster spot. So he makes the roster. Not only does he make the roster, six games into the season, he's starting as an undrafted guy. I mean, he's starting. And he starts, you know, what would you say that how many games that first season, which was uh, only 35 out of 81. But the end of the year, things got a little wacky. Remember that. Season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So but I think it, it's kind of in this kind of in the same vein of Brunson and Dennis in a way. But they'd had Justin Jack. I mean, Justin Jack, Justin Anderson, that they just spent a first round pick on, I think, the year before or. But Dorian comes yeah. in as an undrafted guy and surpasses Justin Anderson and starts over Anderson in that starting, you know, starting unit. He was a better fit. And I think it shows a little, a, a glimpse into Dallas doesn't care where you get drafted. If you, I don't care if you're like an undrafted guy or whatever, if you beat out the guy ahead of you, you're going to play over that guy. And then you see like Brunson come in after Dennis. And I know, you know, everything was about Dennis and Luca and that fit. But Brunson kind of proved to be the better fit in that too. No matter, you know, even though Dennis was a was a higher draft pick. So I love the story of Dorian. Even going back to his early days, was that's a whole different podcast too. Growing up, it's just an incredible story. But yeah, him making that roster and then starting as many games. I love that you called him an Iron Man because, I mean, as far as games played for the Mavericks, I don't have it in front of me. He has to be up there over the past four years of most games played for him. Yeah. Now again, he did miss a lot of that 2017-18 season with, I forget what the injury was. I would need to go back and look, but there was some like ligament something going on. Yeah, uh, he only his, played like 20 games or something, or 20. Yeah, in his knee or in his shoulder or something, and like he missed a few games and then came back and then missed basically the rest of the entire season. But that first season, he was a, a big kind of influence on Dennis. Uh, they became really tight. Uh, you know, kind of created the whole like the Smith way, which was really cool and. Um, to your point about West bringing it back to him, or I guess your point was about it doesn't matter where you were drafted or if you were drafted, but uh, Dorian kind of grew up under West Matthews, who's one of the best undrafted players of all time. And then also learning from J.J. Barea, who might be the most accomplished undrafted player of all time. I'm sure there's somebody that's more, but I mean, you're talking about the last 15, 20 years of NBA history those are two of the best players that didn't get drafted. And Dorian is kind of learning from them. And that Mavs team, I think it might've been 2017, 18 had the most undrafted players in the NBA or might've been last season. Either way, that's not necessarily a badge of honor. Um, but that kind of became the ethos around here is it doesn't matter who you are, where you went to school or if you were drafted or whatever, if you're willing to put in the work, then, you know, we'll make it happen for you. And that's carried over to guys like Seth Curry um, even as you surround high profile guys like Luca and KP, you're, you're partnering them with players like Dwight Powell, second round pick Maxi Kleba undrafted, didn't make it to the NBA till he was like 26 years old, Dorian, older player undrafted Jalen Brunson, one of the most decorated college athletes ever 
second round draft pick. So all of these guys are kind of like hungry and, uh, you know, not only to kind of uh, change their own like public perception of them and like prove people wrong and all that stuff, but also like Dorian comes from a relatively blue blood basketball program. Uh, same can be said of uh, Jalen Brunson with Villanova, Seth Curry from Duke. These are all guys that have multiple years of experience in college at winning programs. And, um, you know, they go undrafted, but they want to win because that's like what they know. So I don't know. It's this very like kind of unique uh, culture from the Mavs that that Dorian is uh, kind of a product of. But so Dorian, 6'8", 210, something like that. He's kind of like the – I guess he's listed at 6'7", 220. So apologies to Dorian. Although I guess I don't think he would be mad for me adding an inch to his height, but maybe he's oh. proud of the 10 pounds of muscle. Yeah. So – Six eight two twenty. He's a, he's he's big. He's built like a tank, um, but he is kind of the uh, you know a few years ago he was really the Mavs' only like true three and D wing, and now they have I guess they have a few more guys like Justin Jackson, uh, Tim Hardaway. I, I feel like is more than a three and D, but kind of the the new thing in the NBA is you want as many guys who are between six five and you know six ten basically who can defend three or four positions. And for a while, Dorian was really their only one. Now he's kind of their their defensive anchor on the perimeter. So I guess what's what's like the opposite of an anchor? I don't know. Yeah, like a like a crow's nest. A crow's nest, I guess so. But there's just something about the anchor that keeps you grounded. And but he's not the anchor in the paint. So he's yeah. You yeah. think of anchor as like the the guy who stands at the rim. You know, like yeah. KP is like the anchor, or or Kali Stein or Maxi. Uh, I guess I'm going to start calling Dorian the crow's nest. Do you <laughs> I like think it. that's a good, that's a good nickname. Uh, I'll ask him if he likes it. He probably won't care. Uh, or he might tell me to like, bro, why are you talking to me right now? Um, and I'll say, because we're best friends. Right. And he'll say no. And then I'll say, okay, well, I uh, hope you enjoy this podcast. So uh, anyway, he's become kind of like their, their featured defensive player, but uh, players like him are what every team like, yearns for which makes it really weird that first off again he went undrafted second off uh and i suppose you know his three-point shooting was was rough the first few seasons no one's gonna lie to you but he kind of like he ironed out his jump shot a little bit removed that hitch a couple years ago i remember that was a big storyline and now he's shooting 37 and a half percent which is like league average or slightly above um but it makes it also kind of weird that you know, again, not only was he undrafted, but like the free agency market, I don't really know what that was like for him last season. Uh, and even still, like, you know, I know he's got the hyphenated last name and and that alone kind of makes him like jump out on the on the stat sheet. But like if you asked the average NBA fan who is Dorian Finney-Smith, like, do you think the average NBA fan could tell you much about this guy? No. No, I, I don't think Isn't so. That, is that weird or is that not weird? I think it's weird, but I think you when you look across the NBA, like teams, like you said, they're, they're trying to find their next Bruce Bowen. They're trying to find their Deshaun Stevenson. They're trying to find these guys that can play this 3 and D role and just find guys that embrace that role. You look in like Utah with Royce O'Neal, kind of a, you know, I don't know how many people would know Royce O'Neal. But he's also, but he kind of plays a similar type of Dorian role, and he's. I think he's really important for that Utah team. And so I think you can go across the league and see different teams, playoff teams that try to find their own version of Dorian. 
I just personally think Dorian is the best out of that special niche of a player. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of in the same group as, um, you know, Danny Green. That's a guy we brought up yesterday when comparing him kind of to Tim. But Tim is like a little more uh, offensively diverse is kind of the conclusion that we came to. 3 and D is almost like – I remember I th- it might have been Rick himself who said this last season or a couple of seasons ago. He said 3 and D is like implies that there's a ceiling to the player because like all you do is shoot threes and play defense. But then I want to say he kind of changed his tune or like, I don't know, three and D used to almost be like a, like a, like an, a backhanded compliment kind of. Yeah. Um, but now I think everybody sort of collectively accepts that like, there's a lot of value in that. Like, even if that's all you can do, there's a lot of value. Now Dorian can do a lot more really good offensive rebounder, for example, really good in transition. But, um, you know, he three or four years ago, he, said like quote i want to be a three and d player like this was like something that he like aspired to be so um you know maybe publicly the 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 line was like yeah i mean we don't want to limit our players but uh privately i mean it's like dorian knew all along this is what he has to do if he wants to you know keep his place in the league yeah and seeing the the energy that he gives he's kind of like a wing wing version of dwight powell and when you look at the, if you're going to say who's the hardest workers on the basketball court, Dorian, Dwight, you know, Dwight's the first name that I'll say on that, but Dorian's right up there on that list too. And you don't like, he is when, when talking to like players for that story earlier this year, first off, one of the big first things that came to mind, every single guy was like, Oh, that's my guy. And you know, that's like a key where you're like, all right, this team loves him. Like, the guys on the team love playing with Dorian Finney-Smith. And you even saw that I, I, early in the season. I wish I knew the game or had the game uh, wrote down. When Carlisle talked about it after the game, when Dorian was on it, he had, like, 22 points, second leading scorer uh, in that game behind Luka. And Luka came down and ran a play for Dorian. And where Dorian— right, Against the Spurs. Luka had, like, 40 points that night, but Luka was calling plays for Dorian in the fourth quarter. Yes, and Dorian, you know, I think he he, kind of curled out to the top of the key, hits hits his three, and they talked about just the confidence that Luka and them, like, they saw Dorian, he had it going that night, and like, hey, we're going to run a play for Dorian. And I thought that spoke volumes because they respect Dorian so much and they love playing with Dorian on the basketball court so much, and it's because of the energy and the work that he has put in. And just seeing, like, J.J. Barea talking about it, talking about his confidence in in four years, because Barea is one of the only guys that's been here all four years with Dorian. And seeing Dorian come in to training camp as the undrafted guy and now seeing him as a, as a staple starter on this team. And when, when I talked to Barea for that story, he said he became an NBA player. And he's like, from the beginning, it was kind of just like molding him to the game. But now he became this this NBA player. And Bray said the confidence line. He's like, now he ha- he has confidence in his game. And how many things? I mean, how many times over the past year have we seen Dorian go outside of that three and D label? And I mean, I, I feel like I've seen him put the ball on the floor more this past year. I'm like, whoa, I. I didn't know Dorian could do that. Like he didn't do that three years ago. Put the ball in the floor, drive to the rim, dunk it, or you know, do a little, do a little floater in the in the paint every now and then. His offensive rebound. I mean, that that that's always just been one of the 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 best things about him. But his energy, what he like, he is. You said it perfectly a little bit ago. Every single team needs a Dorian Finney-Smith, and it doesn't matter 
who all they have. Like the Clippers have some of the best wing de- wing defenders in the game, and Kawhi and Paul George, even Pat Beverly. They would take Dorian in a heartbeat. Like every team would take Dorian Finney-Smith in a heartbeat, and he fits with anybody and everybody. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man, for sure. And uh, like, you can never have enough guys. Again, like I said, that are six, 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 seven, six, eight that can defend two or three spots. And Dorian can defend one through four. He can even defend some fives. I mean, he's become this really versatile uh, player. And and within the Mavs' specific kind of. Uh, defensive system based on personnel he's so important because i mean look everybody loves luca no one's gonna tell you that he's a defensive stopper yet you know uh tim hardaway jr again great offensive player uh he's had defensive moments this season that are very good but he's again no one's gonna tell you that he's like a lockdown guy Uh, and that's taking nothing away from those guys they are the best offense ever but um, you know, the Mavs are bottom half in defense. And, you know, there are some positive players. KP is a great shot blocker. Maxie's very good. Willie Collistein is very good. But Dorian and DeLon Wright, too, to a degree, but especially Dorian are, are really kind of like that's what they have on the perimeter. You know, Dorian is the guy. And uh, uh, Krishna Narsu, who, if you're into analytics, is a really, really good follow on Twitter. Even if you're not into analytics, I'll say he's a good follow on Twitter because he shares a lot of interesting stuff. Um, about basketball he's k narsu three he actually used to uh do some work with the maps which is pretty cool but uh anyway he he kind of developed like player archetypes for both offense and defense and the kind of groups players based on who they guard and not really what position they play and uh you know what types of players they defend and things like that and he developed a thing called core players which is guys who play in crunch time so for example if you come off the bench but you play in crunch time, you're a core player. If you are a starter, but you don't play much in the fourth quarter, you're not a core player. So really core players are like the top five on every team. Uh, And he said, uh, he posed the question, which players have guarded core players the most often this season? So whenever you're on the floor, are you defending these top players or are you just defending a guy? And the top 10 players in terms of time spent guarding core players, number one is Ben Simmons, who might be the best wing defender in the NBA. Is that, is that a stretch? I mean, he's like, I think I'd still take Kawhi Kawhi when, when the game's on the line, but Mm -hmm. if we're talking from the beginning to the end, probably Ben Simmons, I guess. Ben Simmons. I mean, dude, he is awesome. Uh, So he spends 65% of his defensive possessions guarding core players so almost two out of three possessions per game he's going to be guarding one of the top five players on the other team number two in the nba is dorian finney smith who spends 64.3 percent of his time guarding 64.4 percent if you want to round up uh guarding core players and then number three is jay crowder who spends under 62 percent. so it's really it's like ben simmons and dorian finney smith only two other guys are even above 60 and only seven players in the NBA are above 55. And so really like Dorian is a defensive workhorse. And now if you watch him, you know, he's a very good defender. He makes things difficult for his opponents, but even more than like the quality, I guess that he contributes, it's just like the reliability of knowing that, Hey, tonight you got LeBron Dorian can guard him tomorrow. We got Jimmy Butler Dorian can guard him. The next night we got like CJ McCollum, Dame Lillard, Dorian can spend time on those guys. Uh, Okay. We got Giannis. Well, Dorian can guard him. So like 
they really, uh, you know, his flexibility and versatility is obviously a, a, a big benefit to him as a player, but also like it helps mask possible defensive weaknesses up and down the depth chart because he can match up with all of these guys really no matter their height, weight, uh, vertical, anything. Like he just he has the defensive toolbox to to match up with these guys. Yeah, and he's he's effective at it. I think this is one of the big big things that. I get frustrated with sometimes that people will throw out, hey, well, this player, man, he, you could put that guy on the block against a center, but he could also, you know, I've seen him switch off on the guards too. I'm like, okay, that's cool that, you know, their team has thrown the guy at different positions, but are they effective at it? And I think one of the things with Dorian is, yeah, he can, he can guard some of these small ball fours and he can definitely guard any of the wings, but we've seen him match up against like Russell Westbrook and some of these other point guards in the league too. And, that's the versatility when you're looking at surrounding pieces around your two cornerstone pieces in Luca and KP. Dorian's the perfect type of fit to that. And when I talked to so Tony, Tony Ronzoni, director of player personnel, he was with the Detroit Pistons uh, front office during their uh, championship runs. It was the back-to-back years. They won one, lost one, I think. Yep. I think so. And he compared so one of the questions I asked him for that story earlier in the year, I said, Who's Dorian like who's a comparison? It's like somebody in your career that you would compare Dorian to. And he brought up this name and I, and I thought it was in, incredible. He said, Ben Wallace. He was like, I was in Detroit. <laughs> I, I know, it, it, but he explained it in a way that because originally I'm like, okay, Ben Wallace, really? Like, but he explained it in a way he's like, when I was in Detroit, we like the guys that we had on that team, like Chauncey. Rip Hamilton, like those were our go-to scores. Like those were our guys. Like they got buckets. We go to them for the offense. And then you know they had Tayshawn Prince, they had Rasheed Wallace. And they got points and stuff too. They said he said the same mindset that Ben Wallace had and what he brought to that team. He said it it it's really similar to what Dorian brings to this Mavericks team. And and th- that's coming from Ron Zoni, who was in the front office to help build that Detroit you know title team there. And I just thought that was really intriguing how. Because, I mean, I wouldn't have made that comparison. Uh, because, Not at all. Yeah. And Man, I, just, I thought you were going to say Tayshawn Prince, and I was like, I can kind of see that. I know. But, he, he just talked about the unselfishness of it. He talked about just their mindsets behind playing defense and playing their specific role. I remember after that game that Dorian scored, and, you know, I think it was 22 in that game against the Spurs that we were talk, referencing a little bit ago. And I remember asking about his big game, and Dorian quickly shot down his points and said, I'm just here to do whatever it whatever it means for us to win a basketball game. And I mean, come on. I mean, that that's you can't ask for better for better things than that. And you're talking about his fit too. If y'all go to NBA.com and go go up to the lineups and look at like net ratings for like two man lineups, three man lineups, you know, four man lineups, any of that stuff, you're gonna see a common denominator in a lot of these positive net ratings. And it's Dorian Finney Smith. And just one example of that, you look at three three man lineups for the Mavericks this season. They've had three three-man lineups that have logged over 700 minutes together this season. All three of those three-man lineups have a positive net rating. The only common denominator in all three of those three-man lineups is Dorian Finney-Smith. And that that tells you something right there. Because it's, you know, the first with Tim Hardaway, Tim, Porzingis, Dorian. Tim, Dorian, Luca, KP, Dorian, Luca, Like, Dorian is a common denominator in that. And there's it's not just a bias that we talk about. And like, oh, man, Dorian's awesome. We love watching him play. He's really good at what he does. Like, there's stuff like that that shows, like, he's really good basketball player. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, he plays 30 minutes a game, gets seven shots, and he doesn't complain about it. And that alone is a positive thing for your culture, right? Like, the yeah. last thing any team needs, especially a, a team with, like, younger stars, is for kind of these role players and periphery guys, support guys, to want more for themselves. You know what I mean? And that's never really been an issue for Dorian. There will be games where he takes two shots. There will be games where he takes five shots and four of them are putbacks. Like, he's not really involved in the offense very often, but um, I, I feel like the the main stride that he's made offensively in his career is still, like, being ready physically and mentally to shoot the three whenever he does get the ball. Uh, because last season, you know, especially after the trade deadline, whenever Dallas, you know, sent uh, – Wes and Barnes and DeAndre and, you know, all these veteran Dennis, of course, all these veteran key offensive players uh, out. And it was just Luca and, you know, kind of the, the leftover role players, you know, he wasn't used to the volume of threes that he was getting. Um, and he was missing a lot of open shots. I mean, he just was, but this year, you know, he's, he's making a lot of these open threes now and uh, he's maintained that rhythm all season. You know, last year, he started, I think, red hot. He was like 40% for like a month or something. And then he just just fell off a cliff in January. And his, his three-point shooting was like, I think he might have even shot in the teens for a couple of those months from three following the trade deadline. Um, but, I mean, this season he's been high 30s really the whole year. And and that's very valuable. And um, his and that, willingness that was like to – That was like a broken record over the past few, few off-seasons, like – all right, what's Dorian's shot look like? Is is he gonna, you know, <laughs> yeah. is he gonna go up there and it's like, all right, Dorian changed his shot. You know, the, I feel like the first, you know, after media day, the first like training camp practice, like, all right, let's see what Dorian's shot looks like. And that was the storyline, and now like it finally, finally happened this season. Like you said, I mean, jumping from last season, he shot thirty one percent from three on three threes a game. Now he's up to four threes a game, and he's shooting thirty seven percent from three. I, I mean. That was that was the missing link in Dorian in this offense that you need him out there for his defense, hands down. But it, like they, he has to be out there to spread the floor for Luca and KP and these guys too. And now that he can knock down that shot, that that that's huge for him. Yeah, and you can't. I mean, just geometrically, you cannot afford to leave him wide open anymore. Uh, I mean, if you're if you're a perimeter player, like if you're a wing. Uh, two guard or a small forward especially and you can't shoot the three it really just kind of warps the floor I mean the defense does not have to worry about you if you're in the corner or if you're on top of the arc or whatever because like you're just not a threat even if you shoot 25 percent on those threes then like it's it's bogging down your offense even if you're shooting 30 percent you know you don't want to be playing four on five on offense yeah. and so you know because you have Seth and Tim and Dorian if all three of those guys are on the floor together with Luca and KP, you can't cheat off any of those players, which turns Luca and KP into a true two-man game. And considering one of those guys is going to get screened, it's really two-on-one every single time. So if Luca can beat that guy off the dribble, then you're going to find either an open shooter or Luca's going to have a layup. I mean, it's no it's no secret why Luca is shooting better at the rim this season than LeBron. It's because you have maximum shooting and space around him and and that's kind of what Dorian's improvement and then also the additions of guys like, you know, Seth and KP, of course, have done to open up this offense from what we saw last season whenever it was like an injured Tim and, you know, a, a less accurate Dorian with Luca, and, and that was pretty much it. So um, Dorian's improvement has, has really kind of opened up a lot of options for 
Luca. So like your role players are helping your stars. It's not just your stars helping your role players. This is a symbiotic relationship. Um, and that's going to be very important in the playoffs. So Dorian, again, is kind of like the defensive ace. You know what KP is going to do anchor-wise, and, and that's not going to change no matter who they play, unless I guess it's Houston, because then he'll be spending a little more time on the perimeter than he would uh, if it was a more like traditional team. But if you start thinking about playoff rotations, things get smaller. So there's a chance that KP or Maxi or Collie or Boban, whatever, that only one of those guys will be on the floor at any given time. Uh, which means you're going to lean a lot on Dorian. Now, he plays 30 minutes a game right now, and the playoffs, that might go up, you know, yeah, it, it might sure. be 34, 36. You know, Luke is going to play a ton of minutes. Tim and Seth and, you know, so on are going to play a, a lot of minutes. But uh, there's going to be a lot of, I guess, pressure on Dorian because he's going to be the guy that's going to have to guard whoever the best player is. And if you look right now, they'd be playing the Clippers. Okay, obviously, he's going to be defending Kawhi and Paul George. But that could change depending on who they play against. Like, if they play against the Jazz – he might be guarding Donovan Mitchell in the in the playoffs. If they play against OKC, he might spend some time on Chris Paul. I mean, like obviously Gallinari too. He'll be guarding. I mean, like he's his he's going to see a big range of of outcomes depending on who it is that they go up against. And this would probably surprise somebody outside of Dallas, but because especially when you look at points per game and stuff, you're like, all right, Tim's had a really good year. You know, Seth comes off the bench. I take it a step further to saying I think Dorian Finney-Smith is the most important Maverick outside of Luka and KP because I think if some like if if Dorian went down, who's filling in Dorian's role? Like who's filling in Dorian's spots? Where like if Tim went down, you at least have somebody in Seth that could step into that role. He's like he's been in that role before. Like I mean, obviously you never want anything like that to happen. You want double the scoring there in Tim and Seth. But it's like, I feel like some of these guys, even like Maxi or, you know, like Tim or Seth or whatever, like you have guys that can somewhat step into that role behind them. For Dorian, man, like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what, like how they would replace Dorian if Dorian went down for an extended amount of time, especially now, you know, with Courtney Lee and stuff out. So it's like, man, I, I really wonder, well, I, not wonder, that's, that's just where I stand. I think as far as replaceable I think he's the third most important Maverick on the team. Yeah, I mean, it's a good thing that he's played all these games because they really don't have much in the way to replace him. Now, you know, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist is a, a beefier guy than Dorian, and so he can guard bigger players while still able to small uh, guard some smaller guys. But, you know, Dorian is a 37% three-point shooter, and MKG just is not quite there. Uh, Justin Jackson can approximate the shooting. And I, I feel like, you know, he's a little more dynamic off the bounce. He's got the floatery game and things like that. Still really good around the rim. Um, but he's not the offensive rebounder that Dorian is. And I don't think he's as quite as good defensively as Dorian is. And so you have two guys in Justin and MKG where if you slapped them together, yeah, they might be Dorian, you know, but Dorian is one guy that can do both of those things. And so that is a, that's, it's, it's a very difficult thing to replace. And, and you mentioned, uh, Courtney Lee going down, he will not be with the team whenever they resume activities on July 1st, which that in itself was news. Uh, the Mavs will be practicing again on July 1st. Um, but with no Courtney, who's another kind of 3 and D player, he can defend some guards, he can defend forwards and shoot the three ball, obviously. And was that's getting one some minutes. Wing. And was getting yeah, some yeah, minutes he was. I mean, he was getting a lot of minutes. Um, but that's one fewer wing now to where as you head into the playoffs, you know, you got Luca, of course, KP, Tim, and Seth. You already knew DeLon was going to play more because of no Jalen Brunson, but now like Dorian might have to take a little more because there's 
12, 15 minutes less of Courtney Lee or, or that, you know, that, that gets handed off to uh, somebody like Justin Jackson or MKG, who we didn't get to see a lot of before the hiatus because, you know, he was only with the team for like a week or something. Um, so it's just this, yeah, I mean, the, the domino effect of what would happen if something happened to Dorian is not something that I want to even think about because it kind of ruins my day, Isaac. <laughs> oh, I agree. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to talk about that for sure. So yeah. I, I do, I do, th- I, I look back at the offseason heading into the season and previously, well, before the season started, I feel like a lot of us and even DeLon or like, I think, I think Rick even referenced DeLon as a starter, maybe after they signed him. And it's like, all right, so a lot of us, you might not have, but I, me, I, like a lot of I us assume, assumed DeLon was going to be a starter. So then, for a lot of Mavs Twitter, if we want to lump everybody together in Mavs Twitter, I've seen a lot of debate on who's the fifth starter because we knew, you know, we knew Dwight and Delon was going to join join Luke and KP, or at least we thought, and it was just heated debate, uh, you know, of Tim versus Justin versus. Dorian. I thought it was gonna be Justin Jackson, yeah. And it was one of those three, and I'm like, and yeah, like who would start more games this season? And it's just crazy to see how the season unfolds and the debates that happen before a season starts, and now. Look at the player Tim Hardaway, you know, has become this season. Look how important Dorian is in in Justin's role. Like some some people thought he was going to have a bigger role. He slid back some in the rotation, but now he might have another like bigger role with Courtney Lee out again. So it, it's crazy to see how storylines and and debates change throughout the year. Yeah, I mean, coming into the season, I thought that your second unit was going to include Seth Curry, Tim Hardaway, and Dorian, and all three of those guys basically start now. So, I mean, imagine if they would have been that good coming off the bench. The Mavs would have won 70 games. I mean, oh, my God. But, uh, but yeah, we were, we were pretty wrong on that. But, yeah, like you said, I mean, the opportunity is there now for Justin and for DeLon to both get more minutes than they were getting before uh, because of injuries and, and things like that. But once you get into the playoffs, and that's where these eight games are going to be so interesting because uh, it's almost like an audition, right? Like, in the playoffs, your rotation shrinks. So the Mavs typically will play like 10 or even 11 guys in a normal game, just like normal rotation, whether it's a blowout or like a two-point game entering the final minute. They're going to give a lot of minutes to a lot of guys, but you're not going to do that in the postseason. And so if Justin steps up and plays great, then he might be in the playoff rotation. If DeLon Wright is awesome, then heck, depending on their opponent, he might rejoin the starting lineup. I mean, like anything can happen. And so there's because there's a few different voids – around the roster someone's got to step up and take him but uh you know if if none of those guys are really deserving or play well enough then like Dorian is just a sponge that Rick will just use to absorb all of those minutes because he could probably like in a do or die game like in a game seven I think there's like a non-zero chance that Dorian would play like 44 minutes or something because Rick yeah. just trusts him he, Rick has always liked him I think even even in his rookie year, he he said really good things about Dorian. But like we, he's indicated with the way that he's managed the rotation and stuff that if there's an important sequence, Dorian is going to be on the floor for it, whether it's offensive or defensive. He's like Dorian is like Rick's guy. Dorian is the new Wes, where he's going to play. He's going to play every meaningful second of every meaningful game because he's someone that Rick can rely on, and and that trust factor is very important. And so. Uh, I mean, Dorian could even be like their minutes leader in the playoffs, and I would not be surprised. I just I wouldn't be surprised with 
with anything. Really. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, I think he, I think you're going to see his minutes hover around the same as Luka and KP, if not more. And just looking, I mean, I know we've had injuries to Luka and obviously KP and stuff, but looking at total minutes played for the Mavericks this season, shocking. Number one on the list with 1,800. Oh, my God. Right at 1,900 minutes is Dorian Finney-Smith. Uh, Tim Hardaway's right after him, but Dorian, right there, total minutes played, leader for the Mavericks this season. I want to ask you this. If coming into the year I told you that Luka would be third in total minutes and KP would be fifth in total minutes, what do you think the Mavs' record would be? Like, I'd be like, wow, we're uh, – 25 wins? I mean – We're doing a draft profile LaMelo Ball. Yeah, I mean, like – Good God. I, I know it's only, you know, Dorian's only played, what, 99 more minutes than Luca, But still, I mean, KP's played 1,597 minutes. Luca's played 1,799. They're third and fifth on the team in minute. Maxi's played more minutes than KP. Tim and Dorian have played more minutes than Luca. Um, not exactly the recipe that you had in mind coming into the season, but they've made it work. I mean, they made it. And Dorian and Tim are like two of the biggest, if not the biggest reasons why, because those guys have really kind of outperformed yeah. Our dumb, small brain expectations for them. Um, all right, Isaac, this, this is fun, man. I Like an, another podcast where we just sit around and say nice things about players. Like, I'm, I'm sure this was super interesting, but like Dorian is just adorable. I just love that guy. I, I love know. that guy. I love his family. I love the way he talks about his daughter. Like he's just, he is like, I'm serious. The easiest person to root for maybe ever other than Dirk. Because yeah. Dirk is, you know, in his own category. But like Dorian is just Dorian is just that dude. Everybody loves him. Nobody has ever, even his mortal enemies, have never said a bad word about him. I'm not even sure he has enemies. He's just an awesome human being. Yeah, he's he's the my guy. He's the my guy guy. And everybody you talk to, oh man, that's my guy. And it's like everybody loves Dorian. And this will be my last thing I, I was gonna say. When Every player in in the locker room or every play, player's locker in the locker room, they have this, like, triangle in their locker. And they have three words, basically, in this triangle. And it's three words that describes, like, them, their role on the team, um, just, uh, yeah, characteristics about them. Dorian's three words on, on, in his locker on that triangle is versatile, hard-nosed, and talker. But Dorian unlike a lot of the other players on the team, has a special word underneath the triangle. And he has a word that hardly anybody has. And that's where that's where the title of that piece came from. It literally says Pitbull. And Pitbull is his role on the team. And it's his role on the basketball court. He's the nicest guy in the world. You walk into the locker room and you immediately have a smile on your face when you see him and talk to him. But on the basketball court, he's a Pitbull. And he's the perfect Pitbull for this Mavericks team. Absolutely. He gives them, Tim gives them um, intensity and kind of explosive bursts of emotion that can really like make momentum feel like a tidal wave. But Dorian is just that, that engine, you know, possession by possession on both ends of the floor. He's going to, he's going to pick you up, you know, with his words or with his energy and every team needs that guy. And he is that guy for them. So um, yeah, that's, that's good stuff, man. If you haven't read that article, go to Mavs.com and read it. The search Pitbull. I'm sure if you Googled like Dorian Finney-Smith Pitbull, uh, I'm, I'm sure it'll pop up. It's a it's a good read and and unless, unless him and Pitbull are actually like friends and there's just a lot of pictures of him. At, at yeah, this photo. I mean that's concert. good too. Share those with us. 
Uh, he's Isaac L. Harris on Twitter. I'm Bobby Crow on Twitter. It, maybe Dorian knows Pitbull. I mean, there's a chance, you know. Awesome. Uh, and maybe maybe that's the inspiration is not like be not play like a Pitbull, but just like think of Pitbull's music when you're on the floor and that will like give you the inspiration that you need. Um, but we'll see, man. So uh, Mavs basketball starts in a week. July 1st is when they return to activities. Um, I guess I'll break a little news here. Once that happens, we will have some press conferences and stuff for you to check out on our YouTube uh, channel. And also I'm sure on all our social media too. So uh, give us a follow Dallas Mavs on YouTube. You can also listen to Mavs Plained on YouTube. So if you, if you missed old episodes and uh, whatever you, you, are like an anti Apple, like I am, and maybe like you, you know, you don't have Spotify because you are a weirdo. Uh, you can check out all our podcasts on YouTube. It's in one convenient Mavs playing playlist, and you can just click play on the first one and you can listen to all of them. And uh, that would be fantastic because uh, it would mean that Isaac and I will quickly become millionaires. So uh, go ahead and help us out, and uh, we will buy everybody what uh, a pizza. If that happens, if I become a millionaire, I'm, I'm buying like 10,000 pizzas. Well, you, you might become a millionaire like this year. I would be like 2032 by the time well, I, you know, I, we're the time I got the million dollars. Yeah, we're investing. Oh, yeah, yeah, it would be. It would take a while. It would take a while. Well, that's what you get. You live in the North Pole, man. It takes it takes a long time for anything to get up there. Like you just found out that the NBA is on a hiatus. Like, I did. Yeah, yeah, it was breaking news to me. I, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, you've been sending me texts like, "Why are where are the playoffs? Like, I thought the finals were supposed to be on. What's going on? Uh, you pumped for the draft next week? I'm I'm stoked. Uh, so yeah, uh, keep it locked on Mavs playing. Like I said, every day of the week, Monday through Friday, we're bringing new stuff. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of the it's kind of the calm before the storm. Things are getting rolling next week, and then games will start not long after that, and, and it's going to be really exciting. So uh, we'll have some more news and some more uh, information for you with uh, regarding the restart and the schedule and all that stuff here pretty soon. Uh, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this, please subscribe, leave a leave a kind review, share it with your friends, whatever. Uh, turn on your uh, your Mavs fan neighbors to uh, to Mavs playing because we're bringing this stuff to you all the time, way too often, I'm sure, in your opinion. Uh, and maybe even in Isaac's opinion, too, but not in my opinion, because I love talking Mavs basketball, and we will be back with you tomorrow to do the same exact thing on Mavs playing. See you then.